Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the world of Percy Jackson. In this episode we'll read chapters 37 and 38. Now in the last episode we read chapters 35 and 36 and before I go on with the recap I do want to apologize for not being able to upload last week. We had a few technical difficulties and so I was unable to upload last week and I hope I can make it up to you guys with the episode posted this week and hopefully you will still be able to enjoy this episode as much as you do with the others. Um, so now we will move on to the recap, and last episode we read chapters 35 and 36, and Jason and Talia were finally able to catch up with each other after the whole Lycaon incident, and Jason explained everything to Talia about how he uses more Roman standardized terminology compared to Greek terminology, and Talia hypothesized that, um, Zeus, when he came home the second time when they were kid, when she was a kid, he seemed more stern and more formal, and that's when they both hypothesize or predict, or that it might, and that might have been when Jason was born, and that's why Jason is more comfortable with using Roman standardized names. And they also start to discuss on how Jason lost his memories, and they come up with various theories on his origin and how he possibly was able to stay alive this entire time because Talia states in the previous chapters that Jason couldn't have survived on his own if uh, unless he was with with someone or at a specific area that kept him at bay kind of like another camp half-blood and that's what Jason theorized he probably he probably thinks that there might have been another camp that might have kept him safe for that period of time until he lost his memories so they slowly start to go over these kind of theories while also adventuring out to Aeolus's palace. And they finally reach the palace, but it is a floating island, so they have to cross the ice bridge to get across. And so when they go across, of course, Leo and his firepowers allow him his heat to build up and eventually cause the ice to start melting. So... Fortunately, the trio get across safely uh, across the ice bridge, but unfortunately, Talia isn't able to, so she has to run back down and escape before the ice bridge melts. And she promises Jason that she will go to the wolf house that they mentioned in the pre- they also mentioned in the previous chapter and try to ki- try to find Hera in whatever way so that the trio can focus on saving Piper's dad. So. That's, uh, that is the recap of the previous chapters. So now that the trio have reached Aeolus's palace, or they're on the verge of reaching Aeolus's palace, we'll see how that interaction goes, and hopefully they might find more information on the status of, update on Talia finding Hera. So now we're going to read chapter 37, Jason. Jason had found his sister and lost her in less than an hour. As they climbed the cliffs of a floating of the floating island, he kept looking back. But Talia was gone. Despite what she said about meeting him again, Jason wondered. She had found a new family with the hunters and a new mother in Artemis. She seemed so confident and comfortable with her life. Jason wasn't sure if he'd ever be a part of it. And she seemed so set on finding her friend Percy. Had she ever searched for Jason that way? Not fair. He told himself. She thought you were dead. He could barely tolerate what she'd said about their mom. It was almost like Talia had handed him a baby. A really loud, ugly baby. And said, Here, this is yours. Carry it. He didn't want to carry it. He didn't want to look at it or claim it. 
He didn't want to know. He had an unstable mother who got rid of him to appease a goddess. No wonder Talia had run away. Then he remembered the Zeus cabin at Camp Half-Blood. The tiny little alcove Talia had used as a bunk. Out of sight from the glowering statue of the sky god. Their dad wasn't much of a bargain either. Jason understood why Talia had renounced that part of her life too. But he was still resentful. He couldn't be so lucky. He was left holding the bag. Literally. The golden backpack of winds was strapped over his shoulders. The closer they got to Aeolus's palace, the heavier the bag got. The wind struggled, rumbling and bumping around. The only one who seemed in a good mood was Coach Hedge. He kept bounding up the slippery staircase and trotting back down. Come on, cupcakes, only a few thousand more steps. As they climbed, Leo and Piper left Jason in his silence. Maybe they could sense his bad mood. Piper kept glancing back, worried as if he were the one who'd almost died of hypothermia rather than she. Or maybe she was thinking about Talia's idea. They told her what Talia had said on the bridge. How they couldn't save both her dad and Hera, but Jason didn't really understand how they were going to do that. And he wasn't sure if the possibility that had made Piper more hopeful or just more anxious. Leo kept swatting his own legs, checking for signs that his pants weren't on fire. He wasn't steaming anymore, but the incident on the ice bridge had really freaked Jason out. Leo hadn't seemed to realize that he had smoke coming out of his ears and flames dancing through his hair. If Leo started spontaneously combusting every time he got excited, they were going to have a tough time taking him anywhere. Jason imagined trying to get food at a restaurant. I'll have a cheeseburger and... Ah, my friend's on fire. Get me a bucket. Mostly, though, Jason worried about what Leo had said. Jason didn't want to be a bridge or an exchange or anything else. He just wanted to know where he'd come from. And Talia had looked so unnerved when Leo mentioned the burned-out house in his dreams. The place the wolf Lupa had told him was his starting point. How did Talia know that place? And why did she assume Jason could find it? The answer seemed close, but the nearer Jason got to it, the less it cooperated, like the winds on his back. Finally, they arrived at the top of the island. Bronze walls marched all the way around the fortress grounds. Though Jason couldn't imagine who would possibly attack this place. Twenty-foot-high gates opened for them, and a road of polished purple stone led up to the main citadel. A white-columned rotunda, Greek-style, like one of the monuments in Washington, D.C., except for the cluster of satellite dishes and radio towers on the roof. That's bizarre, Piper said. Guess you can't get cable on a floating island, Leah said. Dang, check this guy's front yard. The rotunda sat in the center of a quarter-mile circle. The grounds were amazing in a scary way. They were divided into four sections like big pizza slices, each one representing a season. The section on their right was an icy waste with bare trees and a frozen lake. Snowmen rolled across the landscape as the wind blew. So Jason wasn't sure if they were decorations or alive. To their left was an autumn park with gold and red trees. Mounds of leaves blew into patterns. Gods, people, animals that ran after each other before scattering back into leaves. In the distance, Jason could see two more areas behind the rotunda. One looked like a green pasture with sheep made out of clouds. The last section was a desert where tumbleweeds scratched strange patterns in the sand like Greek letters. Smiley faces and a huge advertisement that read, Watch Aeolus Nightly. One section for each of the four wind gods. Jason guessed. 
four cardinal directions. I'm loving that pasture. Coach Hedge licked his lips. You guys mind? Go ahead. Jason said. He was actually relieved to send the satyr off. It would be hard enough getting on Aeolus' good side without Coach Hedge waving his club and screaming, Die! While the satyr ran off to attack springtime, Jason, Leo, and Piper walked down the road to the steps of the palace. <clears throat> they passed through the front doors into a white marble foyer, decorated with purple banners that read Olympian Weather Channel, and some that just read, Ow! Hello! A woman floated up to them, literally floated. She was pretty in that elfish way. Jason associated with nature for spirits at Camp Half-Blood. Petite, slightly pointed ears, and an ageless face that could have been 16 or 30. Her brown eyes twinkled cheerfully. Even though there was no wind, her dark hair blew in slow motion, shampoo commercial style. Her white gown billowed around her like a parachute material. Jason couldn't tell if she had feet, but if so, they didn't touch the floor. Are you from Lord Zeus? She asked. We've been expecting you. Jason tried to respond, but it was a little hard to think straight, because he'd realized the woman was see-through. Her shape faded in and out like she was made of fog. Are you a ghost? He asked. Right away, he knew he'd insulted her. The smile turned into a pout. I'm an aura, sir. A wind nymph, as you might expect. Working for the Lord of the Winds. My name is Melly. We don't have ghosts. Piper came to the rescue. No, of course you don't. My, my friend simply mistook you for Helen of Troy, the most beautiful mortal of all time. It's an easy mistake. Wow, she was good. The compliment seemed a little over the top, but Melly the aura blushed. Oh, well then, so you are from Zeus? Er, Jason said, I'm the son of Zeus, yeah. Excellent, please, right this way. She led them through some security doors into another lobby, consulting her tablet as she floated. She didn't look where she was going, but apparently it didn't matter as she drifted straight through a marble column with no problem. We're out of prime time now, so that's good, she mused. I can fit you right before his 11-12 spot. Um, okay, Jason said. The lobby was a pretty distracting place. Winds blasted around them, so Jason felt like he was pushing through an invisible crowd. Doors blew open and slammed by themselves. The things Jason could see were just as bizarre. Paper airplanes of all different sizes and shapes sped around, and other wind nymphs, or I, would occasionally pluck them out of the air, unfold and read them, then toss them back into the air where the planes would refold themselves and keep flying. An ugly creature fluttered past. She looked like a mix between an old lady and a chicken on steroids. She had a wrinkled face with black hair tied in a hairnet, arms like a human plus wings like a chicken, and a fat feathered body with talons for feet. It was amazing she could fly at all. She kept drifting around and bumping into things like a parade balloon. Not an aura? Jason asked Melly as the creature wobbled by. Melly laughed. L Melly laughed. <laughs> That's a harpy, of course. Our, uh, ugly stepsisters? I suppose you would say. Don't you have harpies on Olympus? They're spirits of violent gusts, unlike us Ori. We're all gentle breezes. She batted her eyes at Jason. Of course you are, he said. So, Piper prompted, you were taking us to see Aeolus? Melly led them through a set of doors like an airlock. Above the interior door, a green light blinked. 
We have a few minutes before he starts, Melly said cheerfully. He probably won't kill you if we go in now. Come along. And that's the end of chapter 37. That definitely was a very interesting chapter, seeing how we we got to meet a aura, which is Melly, and her cheerful attitude and possibly optimistic also attitude towards hopefully hoping that the trio don't get killed by Aeolus. I'm very hopeful and I uh, and uh, that the trio will probably have a calm conversation with Aeolus and that he may understand where they're coming from and be able to help them. So yeah, after this chapter, I'm really interested to see if well, how the conversation between the trio and the and Aeolus will go if Aeolus will agree to help them or be on the verge of killing them. So after this break, we'll read chapter 38 to see how this conversation will go and see if we get anything from Talia and the Hunters of Aramis on if on finding the wolf house. So see you after the break. And we're back from the ads. And now we're going to read chapter 38, Jason. Jason's jaw dropped. The central section of Aeolus's fortress was as big as a cathedral, with a soaring domed roof covered in silver. Television equipment floated randomly through the air. Cameras, spotlights, set pieces, potted plants, and there was no floor. Leo almost fell into the chasm before Jason pulled him back. Holy! Leo gulped. Hey, Melly, a little warning next time? An enormous circular pit plunged into the heart of the mountain. It was probably half a mile deep, honeycombed with caves. Some of the tunnels probably led straight outside. Jason remembered seeing winds blast out of them when, they see, when they'd been on Pike's Peak. Other caves were sealed with some glistening material like glass or wax. The whole cavern bustled with harpies, aurai, and paper airplanes. But for, but for someone who couldn't fly, it would be a very long, very fatal flaw, fall. Oh my, Melly ga- gasped. I'm so sorry. She unclipped a walkie-talkie from somewhere inside her robes and spoke into it. Hello, Sats? Is that Nugget? Hi, Nuggets. Can we get a floor in the main studio, please? Yes, a solid one. Thanks. A few seconds later, an army of harpies rose from the pit. Three dozen or so demon chicken ladies, all carrying squares of various building material. They went to work hammering and gluing. They went to work uh, and using large quantities of duct tape, which didn't reassure Jason. In no time, there was a makeshift floor snaking out over the chasm. It was made of plywood, marble blocks, carpet squares, wedges of grass sod, just about anything. That can't be safe, Jason said. Oh, it is, Melly assured him. The harpies are very good. Easy for her to say. She just drifted across without touching the floor. But Jason decided he had the best chance of surviving since he could fly. So he stepped out first. Amazingly, the floor held. Piper gripped his hand and followed him. If I fall, you're catching me. Uh, sure. Jason hoped he wasn't blushing. Leo stepped out next. You're catching me too, Superman, but I ain't holding your hand. Melly led them toward the middle of the chamber, where a loose sphere of flat panels video screens floated around a kind of control center. A man hovered inside, checking monitors and reading paper airplane messages. The man paid no, no attention as Mally brought them forward. She pushed a 42-inch Sony out of their way and led them into the control area. Leo whistled. I gotta get a room like this. 
The floating screen showed all sorts of television programs. Some Jason recognized, news broadcasts mostly, but some programs looked a little strange. Gladiators fighting, demigods battling monsters, maybe they were movies, but they looked more like reality shows. At the far end of the sphere was a silky blue backdrop like a cinema screen, with cameras and studio lights floating around it. The man in the center was talking into an earpiece phone. He had a remote control in each hand and was pointing them at various screens, seemingly at random. He wore a business suit that looked like the sky, blue mostly, but dappled with clouds that changed and darkened and moved across the fabric. He looked like he was in his 60s with a shock of white hair, but he had a ton of stage makeup on, and that smooth plastic surgery to it looked to his face, so he appeared not really young, not really old, just wrong. Like a Ken doll someone had halfway melted in the microwave. His eyes darted back and forth from screen to screen, like he was trying to absorb everything at once. He muttered things into his phone and his mouth kept twitching. He was either amused or crazy, or both. Melly floated toward him. Uh, sir, Mr. Aeolus, these demigods, hold it. He held up a hand to silence her, then pointed at one of the screens. Watch. It was one of those storm chaser programs where insane thrill seekers drive after tornadoes. As Jason watched, a jeep plowed straight into a funnel cloud and got tossed into the sky. Aeolus shrieked with delight. The disaster channel. People do that on purpose. He turned toward Jason with a mad grin. Isn't that amazing? Let's watch it again. Um, sir, Melly said, this is Jason, son of... Yes, yes, I remember. Aeolus said, you're back. How did it go? Jason hesitated. Sorry, I think you've mistaken me. No, no, Jason Grace, aren't you? It was what, last year you were on your way to fight a sea monster, I believe? I, I don't remember. Aeolus laughed. <laughs> Must not have been a very good sea monster. No, I remember every hero who's ever come to me for aid. Odysseus? Gods, he docked on my island for a month. At least you only stayed for a few days. Now, watch this video. These ducks get sucked straight into... Sir, Melly interrupted, two minutes to air. Air? Aeolus exclaimed, I love air. How do I look? Makeup. Immediately, a small tornado of brushes, blotters, and cotton balls descended on Aeolus. They blurred across his face in a cloud of flesh-toned smoke until his coloration was even more gruesome than before. Wind swirled through his hair and left it sticking up like a frosted Christmas tree. Mr. Aeolus, Jason slipped off this golden backpack. We, we brought you these rogue storm spirits. Did you? Aeolus looked at the bag like it was a gift from a fan. Something he really didn't want. Well, how nice. Leo nudged him and Jason offered the bag. Boreas sent us to capture them for you. We'll hope you'll accept them and stop, you know, ordering demigods to be killed? Aeolus laughed and looked incredulously at Melly. Demigods be killed. Did I order that? Melly checked her computer tablet. I yes, sir. 15th of September. Storm spirits released by the death of Typhon. Demigods to be held responsible, etc. Yes, a general order for them all to be killed. Oh, pish. Aeolus said. I was just grumpy. Rescind that order, Melly. And, um, uh, who's on guard duty? Teriyaki? Terry, take these storm spirits down to cell block 14E, will you? A harpy swooped out of nowhere, snatched the golden bag, and spiraled into the abyss. Aeolus grinned at Jason. Now, sorry about that kill-on-side business, but gods, I really was mad, wasn't I? His face suddenly darkened and his suit did the same, the lapels flashing with lightning. You know, I remember now. Almost seemed like a voice was telling me to give that order. 
a little cold tingle on the back of my neck. Jason tensed, a cold tingle on his back on the back of his neck. Why did that sound so familiar? Uh, um, voice in your head, sir? Yes, how odd. Melly, should we kill them? No, sir, she said patiently. They just brought us the storm spirits, which makes everything all right. Of course, Aeolus laughed. Sorry, Melly, let's send the demigods something nice. A box of chocolates, perhaps? A box of chocolates to every demigod in the world, sir? No, too expensive. Never mind. Wait, it's time. I'm on. Aeolus flew off toward the blue screen as new cast music started to play. Jason looked at Piper and Leo, who seemed just as confused as he was. Melly, he said, is he always like that? She smiled sheepishly. Well, you know what they say. If you don't like his mood, wait five minutes. That expression, whichever way the wind blows, that was based on him. And that thing about the sea monster, Jason said, was I here before? Melly blushed. I'm sorry, I don't remember. I'm Mr. Aeolus' new assistant. I've been with him longer than most, but still, not that long. How long do his assistants usually last? Piper asked. Oh, Melly thought for a moment. I've been doing this for 12 hours? A voice blared from floating speakers. And now, weather every 12 minutes. Here's your forecaster for Olympian weather. The OW Channel Aeolus. Lights blazed on Aeolus, who was now standing in front of the blue screen. His, sis- his smile was unnaturally white, and he looked like he had so much caffeine his face was about to explode. Hello, Olympus. Aeolus, master of the winds here, with weather every 12. We'll have a low-pressure system moving over Florida today, so expect milder temperatures since Demeter wishes to spare the citrus farmers. He gestured at the blue screen, but when Jason checked the monitors, he saw that a digital image was being projected behind Aeolus, so it looked like he was standing in front of a U.S. map with animated smiley suns and frowny storm clouds. Along the eastern seaboard... Oh, hold on. He tapped his earpiece. Sorry, folks, Poseidon is angry with Miami today, so it looks like the Florida freeze is back on. Sorry, Demeter. Over in Midwest, I'm not sure what St. Louis did to offend Zeus, but you can expect winter storms. Boris himself is being called down to punish the area with ice. Bad news, Missouri. No, wait. Hephaestus feels sorry for central Missouri, so you all will have much more moderate temperatures and sunny skies. Aeolus kept going like that, forecasting each area of the country and changing his prediction two or three times as he got messages over his earpiece. The gods apparently putting in orders for various winds and weather. This can't be right, Jason whispered. Weather isn't this random. Melly smirked. And how often are the mortal weathermen right? They talk about fronts and air pressure and moisture, but the weather surprises them all the time. At least Aeolus tells us why it's so unpredictable. Very hard, hard job trying to appease all the gods at once. It's hard. To, it's enough to drive anyone. She trailed off, but Jason knew what she meant. Mad. Aeolus was completely mad. And that's the weather. Aeolus concluded, see you in 12 minutes because I'm sure it'll change. The lights shut off. The video monitors went back to random coverage. And just for a moment, Aeolus's face sagged with weariness. Then he seemed to remember he had guests, so he put a, and he put a smile back on. So, you brought me some rogue storm spirits, Ayla said. I suppose. Thanks. And did you want something else? I assume so. Demiguts always do. Melly said, um, Sir, this is Zeus's son. Yes, yes, I know that. I said I remembered him from before. But, sir, they're here from Olympus. Aeolus looked stunned. Then he laughed so abruptly, Jason almost jumped into the chasm. 
You mean you're here on behalf of your father this time? Finally! I knew they would send someone to renegotiate and renegotiate my contract. Um, what? Jason asked. Oh, thank goodness! I Aeolus sighed with relief. It's been, what, 3,000 years since Zeus made me master of the winds? Not that I'm ungrateful, of course, but really, my contract is so vague. Obviously, I'm immortal, but master of the winds? What does that mean? Am I a nature spirit, a demigod, a god? I want to be god of the winds, because the benefits are so much better. Can we start with that? Jason looked at his friends, mystified. Dude, Leo said, you think we're here to promote you? You are, then. Aeolus grinned. His business suit turned completely blue. Not a cloud in the fabric. Marvelous. I mean, I think I've shown quite a bit of initiative with the uh, Weather Channel, eh? And of course, I'm in the press all the time. So many books have been written about me. Into Thin Air, Up in the Air, Gone with the Wind. Or, I don't think those are about you, Jason said. Before you notice, Melly's shaking her head. Nonsense, Ayla said. Melly, they're biographies of me, aren't they? Absolutely, sir, she squeaked. There, you see? I don't read. Who has time? But obviously, the mortals love me. So we'll change my official title to God of the Winds. Then, about salary and staff. Sir, Jason said, we're not from Olympus. Aeolus blinked. But I'm the son of Zeus, yes, Jason said. But we're not here to negotiate your contract. We're on a quest and we need your help. Aeolus' expression hardened. Like last time? Like every hero who comes here? Demigods, it's always about you, isn't it? Sir, please, I don't remember last time, but if you helped me once before, I'm always helping. Well, sometimes I'm destroying, but mostly I'm helping. And sometimes I'm asked to do both at the same time. Why, Aeneas, the first of your kind. My kind? Jason asked. You mean demigods? Oh, please, Aeolus said. I mean your line of demigods. You know, Aeneas, son of Venus, the only surviving hero of Troy. When the Greeks burned out his city, he escaped to Italy, where he founded the kingdom that would eventually become Rome. Blah, blah, blah. That's what I meant. I I don't get it, Jason admitted. Aeolus rolled his eyes. The point being, I was thrown in the middle of that conflict, too. Juno calls up, Oh, Aeolus, destroy Aeneas' ships for me. I don't like him. Then Neptune says, No, you don't. That's my territory. Calm the winds. Then Juno's like, No, wreck his ships or I'll tell Jupiter you're uncooperative. Do you think it's easy juggling requests like that? No, Jason said. I guess not. And don't get me started on Amelia Earhart. I'm still getting angry calls from Olympus about knocking her out of the sky. We just want information, Piper said in her most calming voice. We hear you know, know everything. Aeolus straightened his labels and looked slightly mollified. Well, that's true, of course. For instance, I know that this business here, he waggled his fingers at the three of them, this harebrained scheme of Junos to bring you all together is likely to end in bloodshed. As for you, Piper McLean, I know your father is in serious trouble. He held out his hand and a scrap of paper fluttered into his grasp. It was a photo of Piper with the guy who must have been her dad. His face did look familiar. Jason was pretty sure he'd seen him in some movies. Piper took the photo. Her hands were shaking. This? This is from his wallet. Yes, Aeola said. All things lost in the wind eventually come to me. The photo blew away when the Earthborn captured him. The what? Aeolus waved aside the question and narrowed his eyes at Leo. Now you, son, have a Festus. Yes, I see your future. Another paper fell into the wind god's hands, an old tattered drawing done in crayons. Leo took at it as if it might be coated in poison. He staggered backward. 
Leo, Jason said. What is it? Something I, I drew when I was a kid. He folded it quickly and put in his quote. It's, yeah, it's nothing. Alice laughed. Really? Just the key to your success. Now, where were we? Ah, yes, you wanted information. Are you sure about that? Sometimes information can be dangerous. He smiled at Jason like he was issuing a challenge. Behind him, Melly shook her head in warning. Yeah, Jason said. We need to find the lair of Enceladus. Aeolus' smile melted. The giant? Why would you want to go there? He's horrible. He doesn't even watch my program. Piper held up the photo. Aeolus, he's got my father. We need to rescue him and find out where Hera is being held captive. Now that's impossible. Aeolus said. Even I can't see that. And believe me, I've tried. There's a veil of magic over Hera's location. Very strong. Impossible to locate. She's at a place called the Wolf House, Jason said. Hold on. Aeolus put a hand to his forehead and closed his eyes. I'm getting something. Yes, she's at a place called the Wolf House. Sadly, I don't know where that is. Enceladus does, Piper persisted. If you help us find him, we can get the location of the goddess. Yeah, Leo said, catching on. And if we save her, we should be really grateful to you. And Zeus might promote you. Jason finished. Aeolus' eyes crept up. A promotion? And all you want from me is the giant's location? Well, if you could get us there too, Jason amended, that would be great. Melly clapped her hands in excitement. Oh, he could do that. He often sends helpful winds. Melly, quiet. Jason Aeolus has snapped. I have half a mind to fire you for letting these people underfall, uh, in under false pretenses. Her face paled. Yes, sir. Sorry, sir. It wasn't her fault, Jason said. But about that help. Aeolus uh, tilted his head as if thinking. Then Jason realized the Wind Lord was listening to voices in his earpiece. Well, Zeus approves. Aeolus muttered. He says... He says it would be better if you could avoid saving her until uh, until after the weekend. Because there's a big party plan. Ow! That's Aphrodite yelling at him, reminding him that the solstice starts at dawn. She says I should help you. And Hephaestus... Yes. Hmm. Very rare they agree on anything. Hold on. Jason smiled at his friends. Finally, they were having some good luck. Their godly parents were standing up for them. Back toward the entrance, Jason heard a loud belch. Coach Hedge waddled in, in front of the... In, in from the lobby, grass all over his face. Melly saw him coming across the makeshift floor and caught her breath. Who is that? Jason stifled a cough. <coughs> that That's just Coach Hedge, uh, Gleason Hedge. He's our... Jason wasn't sure what to call him. Teacher? Friend? Problem? Our guide. He's so goatly, Melly murmured. Behind her, Piper poofed out her cheeks, pretending to vomit. What's up, guys? Hedge trotted over. Wow, nice place. Oh, sod squares. Coach, you just ate, Jason said. And we're using the sod as a floor. This is uh, Melly. An aura. Hedge smiled winningly. Beautiful as a summer breeze. Melly blushed. And Aeolus here was just about to help us, Jason said. Yes, the Wind Lord muttered. It seems so. You'll find Enceladus on Mount Diablo. Devil Mountain? Leo asked. That doesn't sound good. I remember that place, Piper said. I went there once with my dad. It's the east of San Francisco Bay. The Bay Area again? The coach shook his head. Not good. Not good at all. Now, Aeolus began to smile. As to getting you there, 
Suddenly, his face went slack. He bent over and tapped his earpiece as if it were malfunctioning. When he strained again, his eyes were wild. Despite the makeup, he looked like an old man. An old, very frightened man. She hasn't spoken to me for centuries. I can't. Yes, yes, I, I understand. He swallowed, regarding Jason as if he had suddenly turned into a giant cockroach. I, I'm sorry, son of Jupiter. Uh, new orders. You all have to die. Melly squeaked, but, 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 sir, Zeus said to help them, Aphrodite, Hephaestus, Melly, Alice snapped. Your job is already on the line. Besides, there are some orders that transcend even the wishes of the gods, especially when it comes to the forces of nature. Whose orders, Jason said, Zeus will fire you if you don't help us. I doubt it. Aeolus flicked his wrist and far below him a cell door opened in the pit. Jason could hear storm spirits screaming out of it, spiraling up toward them, howling for blood. Even Zeus understands the order of things, Aeolus said, and if she is waking, by all the gods, she cannot be denied. Goodbye, heroes. I'm terribly sorry, but I'll have to make this quick. I'm back on the air in four minutes. Jason summoned his sword. Coach Hedge pulled out his club. Melly the Aura yelled, No! She dived at their feet just as the storm spirits hit with hurricane force, blasting the floor to pieces, shredding the carpet samples and marble and linoleum into what should have been lethal projectiles. Had Melly's robes not spread out like a shield and absorbed the brunt of the impact, the five of them fell into the pit, and Aeolus screamed above them, Melly, you are so fired! Quick, Melly yelled. Son of Zeus, do you have any power over the air? A little. Then help me or you're all dead. Melly grabbed his hand and an electric charge went through uh, Jason's arm. He understood what she needed. They had to control their fallen head for one of the open tunnels. The storm spirits were following down, down, closing rapidly, bringing them with a cloud of deadly shrapnel. Jason grabbed Piper's hand. Group hug. Hedge, Leo, and Piper tried to huddle together, hanging on to Jason and Melly as they fell. This is not good, Leo yelled. Bring it on, gas bags, Hedge yelled up at the storm spirits. I'll pulverize you. <sighs> He's magnificent, Melly sighed. Concentrate, Jason prompted. Right, she said. They channeled the wind so their fall be became more of a tumble into the nearest chute. Still, they slammed into the tunnel at painful speed and went rolling each over each other down a steep vent. It was not de designed for people. There was no way they could stop. Melly's robes billowed around her. Jason's and the others clung to her desperately, and they began to slow down. But the storm spirits were screaming into the tunnel behind them. Can't hold long, Melly warned. Stay together when the winds hit. You're doing great, Melly, Hedge said. My own mama was an aura, you know. She couldn't have done better herself. Iris messaged me, Melly pleaded. Hedge winked. Could you guys plan your date later? Piper screamed, look! Behind them, the tunnel was turning dark. Jason could feel his ears pop as the power pressure built. Can't hold them, Melly warned, but I'll try to shield you. Do you one more favor? Thanks, Melly, Jason said. I hope you get a new job. She smiled and then dissolved, wrapping them in a warm, gentle breeze. Then the real winds hit, shooting them into the sky so fast that Jason blacked out. And that's the end of chapter 38. That was definitely a very, very fascinating chapter, seeing that now Aeolus was so close to helping them, and now someone gave the orders to kill them. I wonder who it possibly could be, because obviously the three gods, uh, Aphrodite, Zeus, and Hephaestus, all agreed to help 
the trio, but then suddenly Aeolus had to change his mind and kill all of them. So maybe later on in the chapters, we'll see who was that person that give that gave the orders, and if they'll probably if they'll possibly be able to reach the Wolf House and also reach Devil Mountain. So until next uh, next week, we'll uh, we'll read chapters thirty nine and forty, and possibly see if the trio are able to safely escape and reach and save Piper's dad and also save Hera. So until then, stay safe and stay out of boredom. And if you guys want to support me, truly optional, you guys can go ahead and go to the description of my podcast where my Patreon is linked, and you guys can show your support that way. Again, this is uh, this is totally optional, and you guys are not obligated to do so. But thank you guys for listening to this episode and for all the support that you have been giving. So again, until then, stay safe and stay out of boredom. Mm-hmm.